0: about this new series that we're starting called Soap. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, Soap. Soap, a series called Soap. And some of you are saying, well, what is that all about? Well, let me just tell you this, that the month of July, if you've been here for very long, if this is your second July, you know that the month of July every year is Bible month here at LifeGate. And we have two goals for every single July. The first one is this. I want you to fall in love with God's word, man. My goal for this month is just to teach you to get you to have a passion and a hunger in your heart for God's word. We're going to be challenging you to read the Bible every day during this month, and I'll let you know a little bit more about that. But the second goal for the month of July is not only that you would get a passion for God's Word, but that you would help us to get the Word of God into the hands of people in the world who do not have a Bible in their language. And I'll be telling you a little bit more about that as well. But that's where the whole soap thing comes in. Because how many know there are some things in life that are just for daily use? How many know what talking about. There's some stuff in life that you ought to use every single day, like toothpaste, right? You know what I mean? Like every day you should use toothpaste, maybe more than once every single day, right? Everybody just look at your neighbor and say, use toothpaste every day. Come on. Please, please do that. And then there are some other things you ought to use every single day of your life, like deodorant. Come on. How many know? It's just, that's for daily use. You ought to do it every day. Everybody look at your other neighbor, just say, every day, man, just do that (laughs) Every single day, right? And then there's some other things y'all do every day. Y'all to take a take a shower every day. I promise you, if you don't, we know we really do. And so when you're in the shower, you should probably use soap every day so that you can, so that you can be, wash yourself clean. And so in this series, what we're doing is we're talking about one other thing that should be for daily use. We're talking about a soap of a, of a different kind. And some of you say, I still don't understand what this is all about. So let me just help you out. This thing that we're t- calling soap is actually A Bible study method that I learned several years ago that I actually have tried to apply and do this in my life almost every single day. I use soap. Aren't you glad your pastor uses soap every day? And it's a soap of a, of a different kind. And I want to teach it to you because I believe it's going to help you to learn how to not just read the Bible, but actually learn how to study the Bible for yourself. And so the soap method goes like this. The word soap actually stands for four different words. It's an acrostic. I'm going to tell you what it is. The S stands for this. Scripture. So everybody say scripture. The O stands for this. Observation. Everybody say observation. The A stands for this. Application. So everybody say Application. And then the P stands for prayer. So everybody say prayer. So it goes like this. Everybody say it out loud with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. Come on, say it again. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. Prayer. And here's how the soap method works in your life. You make a decision to read the Bible every single day. You're going to have some kind of plan. In fact, this week for this series, we gave you a Bible plan in your worship guide. I'll be telling you how that's going to work. But every day you're going to decide, I'm going to read at least one chapter in the Bible. And then when you're reading your chapter in the Bible, you're going to use the soap method. And here's how it works. As you're reading your chapter in the Bible, you're going to ask God, God, Show me something in the scripture. Let there be even just one verse that just pops out to me. And as you're reading, when that one verse pops out to you, then this is what you're going you're to do. In your notes, in your journal, on your phone, whatever, you're going to write scripture. And then you're going to write down that scripture in your journal. And then this is what you're going to do. You're going to write down observation. And you're going to say, what did I observe about that scripture? What do I think God is trying to say to me in this particular verse? What are my observations? and then you're going to write those down. Then you're going to write down application and you're going to say, how does this scripture apply to my life personally today? What I'm going through today, you're going to write that in your journal and then you're going to write prayer and you're going to write out a prayer. God help me to apply this to my life. Does this make sense? Y'all tracking with me, right? So let's just do one. Like let's just, let's just kind of do it. For instance, just imagine that you're reading, maybe your reading plan has John, the book of John and you're reading and you get to John chapter 3. And as you're reading down through John chapter 3, you get to a verse that sticks out to you. What would be that verse? Probably the chapter 3, verse 16. And so it says, for God so loved the world, gave his only son, whoever believed in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You read that, it's just like, man, that just pops off the page to me. So I have to write it down. So this is what you do. You write scripture, right? And then you write John three sixteen. but you don't just put John three sixteen; You write the whole thing out. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, whoever believed in him would not perish to have everlasting life, right? You write that out. Then you're going to write application or observation, not application. You're going to write observation. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to write, what was it about that scripture that stuck out to me? Like as you're reading it, you might be like, man, God really loves us a lot. Or it might be that, hey, love is something that's really important. Or it might be that, hey, love and giving go together. God loved and so he gave. And so you're going to write those observations down. In your journal, then you're going to get to the application part and you're going to say, how does this apply specifically to me? So it might be, hey man, I haven't been really loving the way that I should, or man, you know, I haven't been showing love to my wife or to my kids, or maybe, maybe I need to be more generous that if I really love God, I need to, I need to have greater generosity in my life. You're going to write those applications down and then you're going to write prayer and you're going to actually write it in your journal or in your notes. You're going to write your prayer for the day. God help me to to be more loving. God, help me to be more giving and more generous with others. This makes sense, right? And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to <clears throat> excuse me. We're going to soap every day. Every day we're gonna so, and here's how we're gonna help you to do this. We gave you in your worship guide today. We gave you a reading plan for the book of Acts in the month of July. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna read together the book of Acts one chapter every day, starting today with Acts chapter one. And what's so cool is there are 28 chapters in Acts. There's 29 days left in July, so we can lead right up to the very end, almost of July. That every day, I challenge you to read one. Chapter in Acts, And then when you're reading the one chapter in Acts, to do this soap method, your scripture, your observation, your application, and your prayer. And then this is what I'm going to do every Sunday when you come, whatever chapter we're on for that day, then that's going to be the sermon for the day. I'm going to just pick out a verse there that sticks out to me, and we're going to soap it together, all right? So everybody says, soap together. Soap together. How many are ready to jump into this, all right? So today, thank you, we're on Acts chapter 1. As I'm reading Acts chapter 1, man, I'm telling you, there is one verse that just jumps. I mean, there's some great verses in Acts chapter 1, but there's one verse that just, I mean, it just screams off the page at me. It's found in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, and that is our scripture for today. So if I was doing my if I was doing my SOAP journal, I'd write scripture, and this is what I put. Acts chapter 1, everybody look at it together. It says, "But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, let me just set this up for you just a second here. Jesus has already died. He's already gone to the grave. He's already risen from the grave. And now he's gathering around his disciples and he's telling them, hey guys, I'm about to leave. I'm about to go back to the father. And the disciples are sad because Jesus is about to leave him. But he says, hey guys, don't be sad because if I go away, it's actually gonna be something that's gonna be good for you because I'm gonna send you someone in my place who's gonna not just be with you, He's actually going to be in you and he's going to give you the power to accomplish what I have called you to accomplish here on this earth. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you so that you can be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And as I read that, I see actually three observations that I write down in my notes. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. This is the observation part. The first one is simply this, that there is a problem. Everybody say, there's a problem. There's a problem. Jesus says, hey guys, I want you to see what I see. I want you to hear what I hear. I want you to feel what I feel. I want you to experience what I am experiencing. Guys, there is a problem. And the problem is that there are people in Jerusalem. There are people in Judea. There are people in Samaria. People who are hurting. People who are broken. People who are lost. People who have not yet experienced a relationship with me. And guess what, guys? The same problem that was happening then is the same problem that's happening in our day today as well. There are people in our town. There are people in Burleson, people that you know that are hurting. How many know somebody that's hurting, right? Come on. There are people in your neighborhood. There are people that your kids play soccer with their kids. There are are people right here in Burleson who are struggling, who do not have the hope that we have that only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. But it doesn't just end here in Burleson. Guess what, guys? There are people in Alvarado. There are people in Joshua. There are people in Crowley. Not only that, there are people in Fort Worth and Dallas and Austin and all around the surrounding areas that are struggling, especially those people in Austin, those Longhorn fans. Come on. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) People who need Jesus. They need the hope that, 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 only we can, that only we can give through relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's not just like in our town. And it's not just in the neighboring towns and the regions around us. Guess what? It's in the whole world. There are people who don't know Jesus Christ. There is, a, there is a problem. Man, as we get specific about it this month, guess what, guys? As we talk about sending Bibles to people in the world that don't have Bibles, guess what? There's a problem. There are people in this world who don't have a Bible in their language that they can read for themselves. That is a problem. But notice the second thing is not only is there a problem, number two, there is a people. Everybody say there's a people. people. See, here's, there's a problem, but yo, I'll solve it. Check out the hook while my DJ revolves it. <laughs> Guess what, Guys. There is a solution to the problem. And you know what the solution to the problem is? The same solution to the problem all throughout the word of God. You know what that solution is? People. That every time that there's a problem, every time that there are people that are hurting and people that are struggling, guess what God's solution to that is? That God raises up a person. Man, you look at it, you look through the Old Testament, you see God's people are struggling. They're about to experience a famine like never before and people are going to die and there was a problem. But what does God do? He raises up a person, a person named Joseph to be the solution to the problem. Man, you look at the at the Egyptians and how they had the people of God in captivity and in slavery to the Egyptians and there was a problem, but when there was a problem what happened? God raised up a person, a man named Moses to be the solution to the problem. Come on, right? You see it through the scripture. You see it when there was a when there was a giant named Goliath who was threatening the people of God and the the armies of God were paralyzed in fear at this giant named Goliath, but God saw the problem and he raised up a person, a man named David, to be the solution to the problem. You see it when the walls of Jerusalem were in rubble and they had been that way for years and there was a problem, but God raised a man named Nehemiah to be the solution to the problem. And guess what, guys? There's a problem in this world that we live. There are people who do not have the hope of Jesus Christ, but there is a solution. And what is that solution? God's people. Who is that solution? That solution is you. It's me. In fact, this is what Jesus says. This is the observation from the scripture. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Not not some, some evangelist or some missionary or some great man or woman of God will receive. No, no, no. You, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And what? You will be my witnesses You see, we are God's solution to the world that is hurting all around us. In fact, that's what we're all about here at LifeGate Church. That's our vision statement, changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth that that God has called us to be the solution to see lives change. It's why we do what we do. It's why we're going to give to Fire Bible this month. It's why we're going to send a group of teenagers to a, a, to an Indian reservation in Arizona to, to reach people. It's why we challenge you to invite your friends to church and bring them here because we are the solution that God sends to a world world that is hurting and that is lost there's a problem but there's a people there's a solution number three notice my third observation here and that is that there is a power everybody say power there is a power check this out he says but you will receive what you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you so that you can be my Witnesses. Now, check this out. This word power in the Greek, the Greek word is actually the word dynamis. Everybody say dynamis. You didn't know you're going to learn Greek today, did you? Dynamis. And guess what English word we get from the word dynamis? Dynamites. You, know you know what Jesus says? Hey, guys. Hey, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to be the bomb. <laughs> All right. I said it. But guess what? You laughed. So on you. You going have power. You gotta have dynamite power to do what I've called you. To do. See, here's the deal is that some of us look at the problems in the world and we look at the problems that our neighbors are facing. We look at the struggles that are happening in America and the things that are happening around the world. And we think, I can't do it. I'm not enough. I'm just one person. But God says, no, no, you are my person that I am sending. You are my solution that I'm sending to this world to make a difference, but you can't do it on your own. And because you can't do it on your own, here's what I have done. I have given you the Holy Spirit to be the dynamite, the power. Power that you need to give you the power and the provision to, to do what God has called you to do. There's a problem. Man, people are hurting. People are lost. People are dying. People right in our neighborhoods. People in our surrounding communities. People in the world. But there is a solution. It's us. We are the solution. And God has given us the power through the Holy Spirit. To do what he's called us to do. So what is the application for you and for me in our lives personally today? Well, I see three applications. The first one is this, is that because there's a problem and we are are the people to be the solution to the problem, here's what we've got to do. We must go. Everybody say go. go. We must go. In fact, this is what Jesus said. Hey, I am sending you into this world to be my witnesses to the people in this world that are lost and hurting, and I'm gonna give you the power to do it. See, here's, here's the deal, guys. The power of the Holy Spirit is not just so that we can come in church and have a good worship service and feel some Holy Ghost goosebumps, although that's great, but the real reason for the Holy Spirit in our lives is so that we can have the strength and the power to go into a world that's lost and hurting and be witnesses to those that are around us. The truth is, man, you don't have to go very far; they're right here. Like you know them, don't you? People in your life, people that are your neighbors, people that are in your family, people that you that you work with. That man, they're struggling. Maybe it's maybe it's a, a something happening in their marriage, and man, they think that's the problem. But the real problem is not the marriage as much as it is that they don't have the hope of Jesus. Maybe it's some that are struggling with their, with their finances and they're just barely making it and they think that's the problem. But really, the problem not the finance. You know what it is, is? The problem is that they don't have Jesus as the center of their life. Come on, right? Maybe there are those that are emotionally struggling and those that are struggling with discouragement and depression. Maybe those that are maybe even suicidal or they have addictions or maybe there are people that feel like, man, there's just nobody there for them and they're lonely or they have no purpose in their life. But when you get down to the heart of the matter of what it really is, is that they don't have the hope of Jesus in their life. Lives and God is sending us to them. He is sending us into our Jerusalem. The people that we know, He sends us out that that we would go as witnesses for Him. There's a problem, but we are the solution. And so today, God is calling us. He's calling us to go. In fact, this is what we're all about, man. It's why we do what we do. We go into a world that's lost. And hurting, but notice the second observation here is that not only must we go, but we also we need to wait, so everybody say, "Wait, wait. now we see a little contradiction here actually. Don't we? Because Jesus pumps us all up and says, "I'm sending you out to go." But before you go, here's what I want you to do: is I want you to wait. Come on, isn't that frustrating a little bit, right? Because look what he says right here. He says in verse eight. I like the way it says it in the King James version. He says, "But you will receive power after." That word right there is important. After the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that word "after" is what's so important because he says, "I want you to go," but I don't want you to go till after. In fact, he talks about it a little bit more in Luke chapter twenty four and forty nine. He says that I will send the Holy Spirit just as the Father promised. But first I want you to stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes on you and fills you with the power from heaven. Here's the deal. Jesus says, I'm sending you out into a world that's lost and hurting, but you can't go out on your own. You need the power of the Holy Spirit inside you. And the only way you're gonna get the power of the Holy Spirit inside you is if you have waited in the presence of God long enough for him to fill you. So I'm sending you, but not until after you have been filled with the presence and the power and the provision of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, that's a little frustrating sometimes because we see the struggle around. We see the problem around, and we want to just run out and fix it. But guess what? We can't fix it on our own. We need His power. And in order to get His power, what do we got to do? We got to wait. Now Nobody likes waiting. Come on, right? I mean, we can be incredibly impatient. I hate waiting, man. When you get in traffic and it's just people and it's like, ah, oh, it's frustrating. You go to the grocery store, man, I'm telling you, I'm looking for the, for the shortest line, right? You know, like yesterday, Amber went to HEB to get some stuff and whatever, and she texted me. and She's like, this was the biggest mistake ever to go to HEB on the 4th of July weekend. I mean, it's crazy. And there are people everywhere, and you look, and you're like, which line is the shortest and how can I finagle my way in there? Because nobody likes to wait. It's frustrating, And yet God says, hey, I'm sending you out, but before you can go out, here's what I want you to do. I want you to wait until the presence of God has filled you with the power that you're going to need in order to make the difference in people's lives. Because guess what? You can't make a difference on your own. It's only the power of God working through you. In fact, this is what the scripture was talking about in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 30. He says, but those those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. You know, I've taught you this before. That word wait there actually comes from the Hebrew word that actually means to connect. It means to bond together, to bind together, to twist together. And here's what God is saying. Before you can go do what I've called you to do, you need to take some time in my presence to connect yourself to the power source so that when you go out, you can be effective. How we do that? Well, one of the ways we do that is opening up God's Word and reading it. In fact, that's why this month I'm challenging you to start it by every day spending time in God's Word, writing down what God is saying to you. That's how you wait on the Lord. That's how you connect with Him. That's why next Sunday we're going to be here from 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock next Sunday night for a time of worship and prayer because it's the, in those moments where we wait in the presence of God that He gives us the power to do what He's called us to do, to be a witness into the world. See, there's a problem, but we're the solution. And there's a power that God wants to give us, but we can only get it when we, when we wait. See, we are called to go. We're called to wait. Number three, write this one down. We're called to send. We must send. He says, I'm giving you power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be a witness to Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. It started in Jerusalem right where they were, but it didn't end there. It went to the next neighboring town to, to Judea, and then it went to the next neighboring town to Samaria, and then it eventually spread all around the world. Now, how did that happen? Like, I mean, there were only 11 guys that were there that day. How did 11 guys cover the whole earth? Well, there's no way they could cover the whole earth. Like, you can only be one place at one time, and you can only go so many places. So, apparently, not only did they go, they also had to send some other people to some other places. And the truth of the matter is that God has called every Christian to go. Every one of you, God's called you to go. It might be to go to your neighborhood. It might be to go to your to your workplace. It might be to go to your family. It might be to go to the to the homeless outreach that we do once a month here at the church. It might be to go on a missions trip. It might be to go and be a missionary. God has called every one of us to go. But the problem is we can't go all we can't all be in all the places all at one time. So not only has He called us to go, He has also also called us to send people to the places where we can't go so that they can hear. In fact, this is what Paul was talking about in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in in, in him? And how can they believe in him if they have not yet heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how can anyone go and tell them unless they are being what? Unless they are being sent. Paul says, hey, anybody who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. But how are they going to be able to call on the name of the Lord unless they believe in him? And how are they going to be able to believe in him unless somebody tells them about him? And how are they going to tell them about him unless somebody goes to them? And how are they going to go unless somebody supports them and sends them to go out to them? The truth is, is that God has called all of us to go But we can't all go everywhere at one time. And so because of that, he has also called us to send those who will go where we can't go. You say, Pastor, that sounds like a good deal. Like, all right, how do I send people? All right, you ready for this? Here's how you send people. You give. See, God's not just called us to go. He's called us to give. In fact, this is why giving is so important. This is why every Sunday we challenge you in the tithe. Because, you know what, when you give your tithe, did you know here at LifeGate, the first 5% of all of your tithe goes to send missionaries around the world? So when you're giving your tithe, you know what you're doing? You're sending people. Come on, that's pretty cool, right? Don't you feel good about that? That's awesome. But guess what? That's not enough, right? In fact, tithing is not an ending point. You know what tithing is? It's a beginning point. It's where you start. It's just, it's just the beginning. In fact, as you look at Malachi 3, when it talks about tithing, it doesn't just talk about tithing. It talks about offerings too. And what are those offerings for? Those offerings are so that more missionaries and more people and more Bibles and more things can be sent into a world that is lost and hurting so that people can experience the hope that only comes through Jesus Christ. We are called, we are called to go, but we're also called to give so that others can go. And that's what this month is all about. Not only do I want you to get a passion in your heart for the word of God, I want you to get a passion in your heart for people in the world who don't have the word of God. And I'm inviting you to be a part of this. In fact, we've been doing it for the last several years now, a program called Fire Bible. Some of you have heard of Fire Bible. Some of you haven't. Fire Bible, here's what Fire Bible does. Fire Bible translates Bibles into languages in the world that don't yet have a Bible in their translation. In fact, I've told you this many times before, but there are still over 300 major languages in the world that don't yet have one, even, even one verse of the Bible translated into their language. Now imagine that for just a second. We take it for granted. I mean, we got 15 Bibles on the shelves. We've got, we got our Bible in our pocket. In fact, if you open up your Bible app, you've got like 48 different versions in English of the Bible. And yet there are over 300 Different languages in the world that don't even have a single verse yet translated into their language. We can read it for ourselves, but there are people who can't yet read it for themselves. And here's the deal. We can't go to all of them, but we can send Bibles in their language so that they can hear it. And that's what Fire Bible really does. It's what it's all about. That's why we do it every single year. In fact, I just came back from the Fire Bible conference a few weeks ago, and let me just give you a couple statistics about Fire Bible. The first one is that in 2017, this year, Fire Bible is celebrating its 20th anniversary. And let me tell you what's happened in 20 years. There are now Fire Bibles in 44 languages around the world. Pretty awesome. Translated 44 languages. 27 out of the top 30 languages in the world have been translated because of fire Bible. Pretty cool, right? Check this one out. By 2019, it's going to go from 44. We're going to almost double to 80 different languages that will be translated because of fire Bible and 9.3 fire Bibles that 9.3 million fire Bibles that will be in print. And then check this one out. This is the one I love so much. 64% of the world can now have a Bible in their language because of fire Bible. Come on. That's awesome. 64% 64% you know we've been given towards fire Bible for the last for the last five years I think it is now and as a church let me just tell you something over the last five years we have been able to give over $70,000 to fire Bible come on that I think that's pretty awesome you know what that means it, it costs $10 to translate a Bible through fire Bible. You know what that means? That means over the last five years, we've been able to translate and distribute 7,000 Bibles. That's pretty awesome, right? But here's what's not so awesome is that there are still many, many people. In fact, 64, I think it was percent of the world that has a Bible in their language because of fire Bible. But you know what that means? That means there's still 36% of the world that doesn't have a Bible in their language. And I believe that God has called us to be a solution to the problem, the people that are hurting, not just in our neighborhood, but people in the, around, around the world that don't even speak the same language as us. And yet we can be the solution to the problem to bring them the hope of Jesus Christ, his word that changes lives, that God would call us to not just go. He's called us to do that, but also to send people and to send Bibles into the places where we ourselves cannot go. And I believe every single person can do something. In fact, I'm just challenging every family here at LifeGate to just have a base starting point. I believe that every family at LifeGate during the month of July could give 15 fire Bibles. That means $150. Some of you say, Pastor, you don't know my budget. There's no way I can give $150 this month. And guess what? You might not be able to do it on your own, but guess what? There is a power. There is a supernatural power and provision through the Holy Spirit that if you would just, if you would just commit to say, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna do this this month, I believe God will provide it for you as you take that step. Others of you, 15 fire Bibles would be no big deal. You could, do, you could write a check for $150 right now, would not even miss it. In fact, most of us could do that because if we just cut out one coffee a day, we would, we would be able to do that, right? Come on. Some of you, it might be that you could do 30 Bibles in your family. It might, be that, it might be that you'd go home and count all the Bibles that you have on your shelf and all the Bibles that are in your phone and say, that's how many Bibles I'm going to give. Others of you, you own a business, and you could say, out of our business, we're going to give 100 Fire Bibles or we're going to give 500 Fire Bibles or whatever it is that God puts on your heart. Because, guys, guess what, man? We can all do something. And we take, it, we take it so much for granted that we have the Word of God readily available to us. We live in the greatest country in the world, and we have, man, readily available to us. We can come to church. You can come to church today without fear of persecution, without fear of being thrown into jail. You can worship. Together with your church family, you can sit there as a man stands publicly and proclaims the word of God. You can open up your phone and read it in 48 different, in 48 different translations. You can open up a Bible and, and read it. We have it here in America, the greatest country in the world. But you know what? There are people in the world who don't. In fact, there are places in the world where it would be illegal to do what we're doing today. As We just came back from the Fire Bible Conference uh, uh, several weeks ago. They told a story of a a lady in China. I don't know if you know, but in China, it's illegal to go to church like we went to church today. In fact, the church still meets, but they have to do it in secret. They call it the underground church because if you got caught going to church, you you could be arrested, you could be thrown into prison. Even worse, that could happen to you. It's illegal to even have a Bible, and yet we translate the Bible into Chinese, and we distribute it to people in China. The missionary was talking about how he was in one of the underground church services in China. And there was a woman who attended every single week in secret. And this particular week she came and she was, seemed to be pretty downcast and pretty sad. And so the missionary said, what's going on? What, what's wrong with you today? Why are you so sad? And the woman, she said, well, there's not enough fire Bibles for all of us to have one. And so because of that, we have to share. One of my friends that I share my fire Bible with, she lives several hundred miles away. And so she only gets to come to the underground church every couple of months. And so I've had it for the last couple of months. But today's the day that she gets to take it. And so she's going to be gone for the next two months and I'm not going to have a Bible. And guys, we have a Bible in our pocket. and We don't read it. And there are people in the world that don't have access to one, that don't have one in their language. It could change their lives. What could happen if we got a passion in our hearts, a passion for God's word, a hunger for his word that so much so that every day we begin to read it and not just read it, but study it, use this soap method, and begin to study it and say, not just what did God say to me through some commentator, some some devotional reading plan, nothing wrong with that, but what is God saying to me specifically about This scripture that I'm reading today, what could happen? It could begin to change us. We begin to see things different. We could begin to feel different. You know what would happen? It'd begin to give us not just a passion for his word, but a passion for the world, and a passion for people in the world that don't have his word and a passion to be a solution to the problem in the world of people who are lost. The people in our neighborhood, but not just in our neighborhood, but in the surrounding communities and in our nation and even in the world, people who don't live like us and talk like us and Yet they still need the hope that comes, the relationship with Jesus Christ. Soap. It all starts with soap. It's used every day. Our scripture today, Acts 1.8, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, the observation, man. There's a problem, but we are the solution, and God has given us the power to do it. The application, we gotta go, we gotta wait, and we gotta, we got sin. So, what's the prayer? The prayer is this: God, break our hearts. God, give us a passion for Your word, and give us a passion for Your work for the people and the world, so that we can be the solution to the problem, to bring the hope to those who are lost.